Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of the pod. Ugh. I just realized it was episode 13. If you're superstitious, I guess don't listen, but if you're a fan of Taz, you can. Uh, <laughs> fucking stupid. I uh, got a couple things on tap for us today, um, which I assume would be the hope with uh, you listening to this content. And without further ado, let's get this fucking thing started. song is way too long so i'll end it now still not shortening that intro up so a few things have happened since the last time that we spoke um isn't it weird to say the last time we spoke because i uh i'm the only one talking so uh anyway (laughs) uh it's been a weird week guys um my brain's like super duper scattered right now, so I'm just trying to keep it on track. Um, and I, I tried to record this a few days ago, and I was, you know, my brain felt the same. And so I thought, I'll give myself a couple days and, and come back to recording. And, you know, brain feels the same. Uh, and you know what? We got to get the content out. So I'm just sucking it up and letting my brain be crazy. So forgive me if some of this doesn't make sense, but. A lot has happened in the last week. We uh, we had Stomping Grounds, which I did attend live, uh, and then Fighter Fest AEW. Se- uh, th- I I guess second show um, officially, and it was for free on Bleacher Report. So a lot of a lot of good stuff to talk about. Like I said, I did uh, attend Stomping Grounds in Tacoma. I think the the last big show I can think of in the Pacific Northwest would have been. Uh, WrestleMania 19, and I'm sure WWE has been there since, but not not any time in the future. Uh, man, that was uh, that was bizarre. Um, first off, the Tacoma Dome is not a great venue. Um, it's just like old and kind of like dingy and dirty, and like you walk in and the light like there's no lights uh, at the entrance, which I thought was very very strange like there there literally was just darkness and then just like i it was like really it was dirty um like it looked like really it looked like abandoned almost and the parking was not great either and the parking attendants were also not great (laughs) so that was kind of a pain in the ass to begin with and then you just go into this dark rundown building and like I said, the no lights on and the bathrooms were just the most disgusting bathrooms I've ever been in. And, and don't get me wrong. I, you know, I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to a lot of different like venues and, and bathrooms are not generally the cleanest place, but these were like, I mean, I, I would venture to say that nobody has cleaned those bathrooms in months. Um, I'm not sure what kind of shows are held at the Tacoma dome, but it doesn't seem like it happens often. Uh, and then the, I mean, so like I said, that kind of sets things off uh, in a weird way. Like when you go in, it just doesn't feel like a big deal. Um, Like WWE shows tend to, especially like a pay-per-view type show. 
and then uh, pair that with the fact that there's literally no one there. Like I was one of 10 people that attended the show. Uh, it, it, man, it was so weird. Um, the, you know, my whole section, um, which was like the hard cam side, um, or so I always get confused about this. <clears throat> I is hard cam side behind the camera or is hard cam side, the, the side that the cameras face towards, I f- feel like it's the side that the camera's pointing towards. And so, you know, that section, um, was, was completely full. And then, you know, a little bits of the, uh, the section that faces the actual stage um, were pretty full. And then, I mean, there was no one else there. It was the lowest. Atten- I've, I've been to Raw, SmackDown, house shows. This was the lowest attendance I've ever seen. It was weird, man. Like, it was, it was like an, in- I mean, definitely bigger than an indie show, but it was very small uh, by WWE standards. Um I mean, don't get me wrong, the card wasn't great, and so I I don't think that that draws a lot of attendance. And then at the same time, man, I definitely feel like now that there's an alternative out there, people just, they choose other things when the card's not great. And, you know, the fact that Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins is really the match that was driving this card is is kind of an issue, you know. I I purchased my tickets a, a while ago before the card was announced, and I'll say, I mean, it's a good time going to a live show regardless, but I was certainly disappointed that that was the main event. So I can imagine people who hadn't bought tickets and some of those matches were announced, probably a pass, you know, but it was weird for a pay-per-view, man. There was, there was no one there. Um, a lot of room to walk around, (laughs) like not huge lines. So like, if you've ever been to a WWE show, people take like piss breaks and, and, Uh, They run and grab food and stuff during matches they don't like or like in between matches. And you're always standing in line, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, a pay-per-view, whatever, for uh, forever to to get soda or beer or whatever. And like there were certain areas um, where the concessions literally had no one there. And I just walked right up and that was, dude, the whole thing was like kind of surreal. And you know, to be honest, the show wasn't that bad. It was definitely a glorified episode of Raw, but that's, you know, to be expected on like a summer pay-per-view. Um, things slow down in the summer and, you know, it's it's never a, a huge deal. Um, but, you know, I, hey, I had a good time. I mean, the matches were fine for what they were. Ricochet and Samoa Joe was, was a great match to see live. Um I can't really think of anything else. I, there was a cage match, which was cool. Uh, Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler, that was fine, I guess. You know, it was just not that memorable. Um, normally, experiences going to pay-per-views, are, you know, it's a big deal. I used to go to them in the Bay Area, in California, a lot. Uh, you know, I've been to Elimination Chamber, and they always used to do... Uh, I feel like I've been to two Great American Bashes, if you remember those. And I even went to WrestleMania 31, and... Obviously, that's a bigger deal than all of them, um, but it just has a particular feel to it. And this show was weird. It was it, like it really, truly felt like a house show um, with a, with an actual stage set up. So definitely a bizarre experience. Um, it was fine though. You know, getting out um, after the show was easier because there wasn't a lot of people. So I guess there were some pros to that, but super weird. And then. You know, I'm sure everybody saw the pictures of the Raw in Everett, Washington, um, the next night. 
super duper low attendance again. Like, I don't know what it is about Washington, man. Like the not huge, not a huge wrestling town, I guess. So that was, that was really, really strange. Um, yeah, man, just a really weird experience. It, like looking back, it's even weirder than when I was there. Like I definitely felt weird when I was there, but it, you know, I was just kind of trying to enjoy the show, but you know, thinking about it later, weird, super, super weird. Uh, and it also kind of got me thinking about like entrance stages. Cause where I was sitting, I had a really good view of, of like the, uh, the Titan Tron. I don't really know if they, uh, still call it that, but that's what I call it. So, um, I remember like there's, when you're working on the Indies, there's like one of two types of entranceways and there's always going to be a black curtain. Regardless of how the entranceway is set up, there's a black curtain. So, I mean, I we've uh, we wrestled places where the entranceway is literally just a black curtain with like a logo, and that's like the most common one because you know most indie companies, unless they're bringing in like a ton of money, which most of them are not. There's, there's really not a lot of funds to provide something like that. Um, <clears throat> at uh, PPW uh, in Memphis, Power Pro, Randy Hales, baby. Um, <laughs> that uh, that entranceway, because PPW used to be like a feeder system for WWF, um, there is like... It's a little bit more of an elaborate setup, and it looks kind of like a real like entranceway, and there's like a little... like video screen thing um and so that was cool and there's like strobe lights which looked cool and most indie places use strobe lights like the ones from walmart that are like eight dollars and there's put a bunch of those out but this, these were like legit like big strobe lights and i feel like spotlights um and uh the one at the uh the stadium inn which is where we spent a lot of our time that's where we trained there was like like, I just remember there being, like, so many black curtains, and then there's just, like, a door. Um, so you, like, open the door, and then you have to, like, fumble your way through these curtains. And you walk out onto the carpet, the cigarette and potentially human feces stained carpet. Um, but there were also strobe lights, so that was cool. Um, and it just made me realize, like, I just want to walk out on a WWE stage, like walk through the entranceway with, with entrance music playing like one time. Uh, I feel like that means I need to go to WrestleMania and do that. Like they have that at access, like the entrance thing. <clears throat> so anyway, that's, I thought about that. So I figured I would share that thought. Um, you know, while we're kind of sticking on the WWE front, um, I was reading that, Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman are the executive directors of Raw and SmackDown, uh, or SmackDown and Raw, respectively. Uh, so that's interesting. I feel like that's on screen. So we're going to see like Bischoff again on screen and Heyman again, um, on which we always see Heyman. Um, I don't know if that if they have. I haven't really read into it too much, but I you know I don't know if that means they're going to actually have some creative control or if it's they're just like on screen characters, but. Uh, I mean, that's interesting, I guess. Uh, somebody made the comment on, on the Reddit post, like, oh, this is great. Like, two 
two two folks who used to um, run failed companies that WWE bought out are now going to run their shows or whatever. Um, but I think you know, regardless, like Eric Bischoff, super popular character, people enjoy him and he brings something unique to the table and of course people like worship Paul Heyman Warsh you know when people like say things wrong and they uh they say like wash and they put an r in there because they're stupid I think is the real reason um it's when you say worship or when I say it it sounds like I'm saying like washing worship worship if I was like one of those people <clears throat> anyway uh, I think part of the reason my brain is so scattered, like, I mean, it's been a stressful week, but also just my allergies are so bad. And so a little out of it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's interesting. WWE is just kind of throwing shit at a wall and seeing what'll stick. Uh, and you know, that might be something cool. And I think because I'm, you just have such a, an emotional and nostalgic attachment to like 2000, well, really 1999 to like 2000 and four um or even 2005 like i just that era is just the best to me um specifically because it really like the time when i was so obsessed like i ate slept breathed wwe was like 2001 to 2003 like those the those particular years like man like they're I didn't, I literally didn't do anything else. Like I, I watched wrestling. I recorded it. I used to like record, um, Ron and SmackDown, um, and just watch them like throughout the week. Just like, that's all I would do is just rewind and rewatch Raw and rewatch SmackDown. And, uh, it, it, you know, I had some like VHS tapes. Like I had, um, gosh, what did I have? I had some back when Blockbuster was open in like 2002, I used to like rent the tapes and I stole one one time. And that's probably why Blockbuster went out of business, you know, from me stealing their old WWF VHS tapes or WWE. Uh, So um, I I had a couple of shows. Like I feel like I had like Unforgiven 2001. I definitely had Rebellion 2001. Um, And then I had something from 2002, and I can't think of what it was. It wasn't the Royal Rumble, but I remember trying to find that. Oh, it was. That's weird. It was so Wrestle. I had I had like a VHS recorded tape of WrestleMania 18, and um, that I think I also like stole from from someone. It's not not a good kid, Um, but I would do anything to get wrestling. So like I just wanted it. and then I, of course, had all the backyard wrestling, like, things that my dad would buy for me and not know that it, there was, like, tits on there and shit, uh, but <laughs> still cool. Uh, and, he, frankly, he didn't give a shit, so. Um, I mean, I would just sit there and, and watch those specific, like, that's all I had. I didn't have, like, a huge collection because I was, like, a, a child, but I, I had what my parents would get me, and then I had what, um, like, my friends had and would let me borrow, and then I would just steal, um, and... Uh, I just watched that little collection just over and over and over and would just rewind it and watch it. And and that was it. And then Mondays and uh, Thursdays at the time I would just record and then just rewatch through the week. And I mean, I didn't have the internet either in, in 2002. Like my family lived like way out in, in the, the woods. Um, so it was like, there was no lines. So like there was no, 
there was no like internet connection. <laughs> um, and there was no like, this is before like satellite internet and, and maybe satellite internet was around, but it wasn't like popular and no one knew about it. Um, so we had no internet. It was just like TV and we had a phone line and there was no company that used a phone line for internet either. So like, I mean, there was like, we didn't have shit. And so I couldn't like go on the internet and watch YouTube or like find like LimeWire um, or anything like that. Like it was just straight watching those VHS tapes and uh, man, it, it like that was my shit, dude. I was cool with it. And I had, of course, my toys. So I had my fig fed and I would just, you, you know, create storylines and matches and things like that just with my toys and, and my action figures, I guess. And, 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 and just play, endlessly play with those. Um, man, like that is really, man, it's a simpler time and I miss it for sure. Uh, but that I think is why the Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman thing really, um, sparks my interest and why I, it, you know, I'm not necessarily critiquing it as hard as some other folks are because it kind of is nostalgic for me. And I know you can't live in nostalgia and people always say that. And, but you know, fuck you. I don't care. I can do whatever I want and I like it. So, um, I'm kind of, you know, excited about that. I think when AEW hits, uh, TV, um, which is pretty quick here in October, like there's going to be some legitimate competition and hopefully, I mean, being on a major network like TNT is, is huge, man. Like WWE is going to have to do something to be different. Um, and I think that they'll still appeal to, um, the children because I feel like AEW is certainly taking the ECW, like later WCW route. And, you know, they're going to be a little more adult and, you know, have blood and like death matches and stuff like that. But, you know, eventually those kids are going to come over to that too. I mean, I remember, so like WWE was my thing. And then going into a Suncoast video, uh, on a trip to the mall and just seeing XPW or, you know, anything like hardcore. I was like, what the fuck is this man? And it just, you, it's, you know, it piqued your interest. And I was like nine years old. And, and then you start getting into that violent stuff. And, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm honestly excited for October. I think it's going to be great to have some legitimate competition because, you know, Impact was never a competition. I, you know, when they tried their their Monday night thing, I remember being kind of excited about that. I think that was 2006 and seven. So I was like 14, four, 15, 14. And, and I remember, you know, being excited about that because at that point, by the time I was like 13, 14, um, we did have internet. It was dial-up internet because that's all that was there um there was no dsl lines if you remember dsl um and there was certainly no nothing like high-speed broadband or anything like that so you know it took two hours to to watch a you know four minute clip so you know i would invest a lot of hours at that age into um using limewire and just letting this let it letting it (laughs) download like all night and trying to download like a match and, uh, it was, uh, I got really, really into like WCW and the history. I discovered Wikipedia and I would just research and research and research WCW and ECW and like the history of that. So I was really into that whole, um, competition thing. And when, uh, TNA was like, 
you know, we're going to start on Monday nights and I, on Spike TV. I was, I was pumped, man. And watching it there, I, I don't recall the first show, but I know there was like some kind of like cage match or it was like a dome and they had to crawl at the top. And I remember homicide crawling out and I literally just like lost interest. I was just like, oh, all right. And I feel like I wasn't alone because it very quickly moved for Monday nights and uh, could certainly cannot compete with, with Raw. And uh, that was kind of it. That was sort of like the nail in the coffin. Like TNA had something so special with those those old um, pay-per-views. And we talked about that on Wednesday night. It was just so unique and so cool at the Asylum. Um, and, you know, even when they moved over to uh, Fox Sportsnet, Dude, like, I got that channel, so I was fucking pumped, man. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, dude. And, like, uh, it, it came on in the afternoons on, f- I feel like, Fridays. I used to come home for, dude, so, trip down memory lane. Like, I used to come home, um, that was, like, 2005-ish, right? So, I was in, like, seventh grade. So, I was riding the bus home. And I used to come home, get off the bus, go in, pop on, uh... I can't remember what channel, probably like Nickelodeon or something like that, whatever it was. And like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on, I feel like, and I would watch a couple episodes of that. And then this show called Grounded for Life, which <clears throat> looking back, I don't know why I watched that, but I did. And uh, and then right after that was was TNA and like like it just it was so dope to watch it. And like, you know, you get to see like Abyss and AJ Styles and Chris Sabin and if you remember the little scrolling bar at the top, it would ha- it just seemed like a real like sporting event, which is cool because I'm not like into sports, but it made me feel like I was watching a sport, and uh, <clears throat> it was it was really cool. Um, and those were the days, man. And then when they moved to Spike TV, I just lost interest. It just they tried too hard, and you know they signed some big guys, signed like Angle and uh, Christian, and it, I don't know, like it. I think other people probably have fonder memories of that time period than I do, but for some reason that just kicked me out of it. Like I just wasn't really into it after that. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Uh, and, and I just stuck with WWE and then eventually, you know, like, you know, like I said, the, the, the internet, (laughs) uh, introduced itself and, Man, I remember the first time I saw indie wrestling. I don't know like how it happened, and I'm sure I'd seen things before, but I didn't really understand what it was. But it, it must it had to have been two thousand like late two thousand six, maybe early two thousand seven. And in you know, I'd seen like XPW and shit like that, but I don't I don't know why I don't count that as indie wrestling. It was, but I just was like, Oh, this is like something funny to watch fucking Pogo the Clown and shit. Um and uh but I, but I was scrolling through clips, and this was before YouTube was, like, huge, but I'm pretty sure I watched it on YouTube. And it was an IWA Mid-South, and it was Chuck Taylor. And and it was Chuck Taylor doing um, a uh, a code breaker, basically. And it was the first time I ever saw that. I was I, It was called a lung blower. Dude, and it blew my fucking mind, man. I was like, whoa. First off, this guy looks like me. He has, like, long hair. He's fucking skinny as shit. Doesn't look like a wrestler. He just looks like a skater kid who, like, stumbled into a ring and put on tights, which I honestly thought was amazing. And he and it was before Chuck Taylor was like, he, like a big like comedy guy. Like this was when he was legit like trying to wrestle. And he was just like young in IWA Mid South with uh, I, 
I feel like Ricochet was probably there too, but I don't remember seeing him. Anyway, so I saw that clip of the the uh, like front like lung blower, and I was like, dude, I've never seen that before. That's fucking awesome. And then of course, like a year later, Jericho starts using it. And then you find out like New Japan and Noah, and you see Naomichi Marafuji uh, using it and whatever. Um, but yeah, so that was like the first like time I saw indie wrestling, and I remember it took like fucking thirty minutes to load the clip. And I saw his name, and then I searched his name, and he didn't have a lot of stuff that I could like find. There were like full matches, and I just from IWA Mid South, and I, I couldn't. I mean, it took so goddamn long to uh, to load them. But what I stumbled across was some clips of, or like a music video, I feel like, of Josh Abercrombie. And so that was really the first time I like dove into indie shit. Um, and man, they were just like, he, I, I was like, holy shit, this dude's fucking awesome. And I got that, um, and uh, there was him like wrestling Loki, and I knew Loki from TNA, and like, I was like, holy shit, like, this is so cool. Um, and then Wrestling Society X ended up coming out and he was on that. And I just, I was a huge fan. That was like, really, those were my two first like real indie guys were, uh, Josh Abercrombie and Chuck Taylor, man. Chuck Taylor to this day, my dude. Uh, <clears throat> and, and from there, I, I feel like, uh, Ring of Honor started pay-per-views on the cable provider that my, my parents used. And I, it had to have been around that time frame, like 2007, 2006, 2007 ish. And I saw um, that Ring of Honor was on, and I'd heard of it, and I'd read about it, um, and I had their first show. Well, actually, Mike had their, my old tag partner, old Mikey, he uh, he actually had that, that first show on DVD, um, and I stole it from him. I, I feel like I gave it back, but it had, like, Chris Daniels, Brian Danielson, and Loki, and it had, like, the Briscoes and Amazing Red, who I knew from TNA. And around that, and it had to have been before that, that I saw that, man. Dude, my timeline is all fucked up. So that maybe was the first actual indie thing I saw. Because that was from like 2003. And I feel like I watched that. Anyway, so then I see that Ring of Honor is on, on pay-per-view. I was like, holy shit. And I remember ordering it, and there was like a match with like Larry Sweeney and Chris Hero. And then I just like was obsessed with Chris Hero after that and found his music videos. And that's what opens the door. And from there, I see Chris Hero in PWG. And then that gets you started on that. And then the obsession with indie wrestling begins. And there's a history of that. <laughs> I don't know why I got into that. Um, but I think that's one of those things that kids in this generation who are just like think WWE is like the only thing I mean they have internet now so I can imagine they're coming across tons of shit on YouTube um but even if they're not if that's not what they're searching and they're searching for more like whatever that shit with like cat bug whatever that shit is and fucking uh, adventure time and all that I don't know people still watch that um if they're searching for that um and only watching wrestling on like on TV I feel like when AEW like is that widely available? I mean, some of that shit's gonna capture kids' imagination, man. Like Luchasaurus, like first off, fucking, he's awesome. But also, that's like a really like outlandish character. And I feel like if, when I was like eight, nine, ten, I would have been obsessed with him, right? Um, and he, I feel like that's really gonna like bridge the gap. Um, and then even like seeing Jericho, like if kids know who Chris Jericho is and they see him. Um, it, you know, it, I, I just, man, I'm, I, I don't, 
I'm going to keep talking about it until October because I really don't know what's going to happen. And I think it's really um, an exciting time to be a fan. And, and hey, man, it could really force WWE to step up and stop booking Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins as the main event of a show and, and only having, you know, like seven people um, come to your shows. Um, you know, and to be, to be fair, like attendance will boost when they go back to the East Coast. It's just... The Pacific Northwest, like I said, I don't feel like is a huge wrestling place anymore. There's certainly less fans here than in the South, specifically, um, and on the East Coast. So when they go back that way, I I feel like it'll it'll pick up again, um, and you know everything will be fine. But still, you know. I, Regardless, uh, people do stop watching, and, and they and they get over it when you book shit like that. Like, I understand there's going to be guys that are pushed, but I just don't recall it being like I don't like back like in the Attitude Era. I don't feel like anybody had a problem with the main event scene, and maybe my memory is skewed, but I I feel like when like The Rock and Austin. And even, like, Undertaker, Kurt Angle, Kane. Like, I don't feel like anybody gave a shit about the main event scene as far as, like, complaints. I'm sure there was people, but the overarching consensus was certainly, like, everyone was, like, into it. And attendance was up. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, But now, I just feel like there's no stars, really. So, like, people like Seth Rollins. And I feel like he's getting there. Like, certainly. Like, the crowd is really, really latching onto him lately. But he's not, like... He doesn't really, like, have that larger-than-life thing. Like, he's a great wrestler, but it just, I don't know. Like, it's just not that big. And then Baron Corbin, Jesus Christ. Like, no one gives a fuck, man. And it's like, I don't think he's a bad wrestler at all, but, I mean, he's dressed like a fucking waiter, and he he just, like, he's also not a star. So when you book that as a main event, like, people don't give a shit. And when you're somewhere like the Pacific Northwest, like, that is not a huge wrestling place anymore. I know like Portland used to be. Um, it's not, it's just not going to land. Like, especially with that, like honestly, like I know like Roman Reigns has a really volatile reaction, but it's like, it, even if Roman Reigns was in the main event against like Seth, uh, it, I just feel like that would have been a better move. Even like, like don't get me wrong. Like the Kofi Kingston thing is, is great. And, and, it's cool to see like an underdog, but Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler is not going to sell tickets to anything. Like I, I, I like both of them. Although I do think Dolph Ziggler is just the most stale character ever right now. Like it's just, he needs a change. Um, but regardless, like th- that's not a match. That's that's, that doesn't really have star power, man. It just doesn't. Um, and, uh, as pop as you know, as popular as Kofi Kingston is with the kids and everything, like it's still, it's just not going to drive ticket sales, especially to the to the the casual fan. Absolutely, is not going to buy tickets to that. But even like the family that has the kid that likes Kofi Kingston, um, or the indie type fan, like that's not going to sell tickets. There's certain shows that everyone will will go to. Um, like I said, especially depending on the demographic and like location regionally, but. When you hit like a Washington and there the the card is like that, um, you got to expect low attendance. Um, Raw is surprising. I feel like 
probably because Stomping Grounds was such an like a weird card. Um, people just assumed Raw would suck. And frankly, I think Raw was a better show than Stomping Grounds. In fact, I wish some of those matches were on Stomping Grounds. So fucking weird that they would, you know, put a pay-per-view, even though I, I understand it's on the network, but put like a pay-per-view with air quotes uh, on the network. And then Raw for free on TV is has has just a better card. I mean, AJ Styles and Ricochet, shit, man. Like I love Samoa Joe, but AJ Styles and Ricochet would have would have I really feel like sold some tickets because I feel like AJ Styles is one of those like characters that really needs to be in the main event scene and can sell tickets and he he really like is is almost at that that level. Um and I in man, um, there was like a four-way tag match with like the Usos and, and Revival and uh, Daniel Bryan. And, like, I mean, Jesus, dude. Like, that match was dope. It was so good. That that should have been on the card. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, overall, I just think Raw was, was better. And so that, you know, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, it's great that it happened on Raw and more people could see it, I guess. I just, just kind of perplexing thoughts. Um you know, it's the same idea with uh, when you talk about stars like Becky Lynch, I feel like was right on the cusp, like around WrestleMania, like maybe Royal Rumble time, really. She was like breaking like barriers, like getting to like Austin Rock levels, like like really, truly, even before that, like 2018, like she was she was like right there. And then they just like let it not get there. It's fucking weird. And then they. You know, around WrestleMania, I feel like she could have continued to pick up some steam, but they, it just kind of died off after that. And she's still immensely possible or uh, popular, excuse me. But it's uh, it's not what it used to be, and and it's she's not. And then you know, it just kind of died off. And uh, I think that's a bummer, man. So really, the only stars, I, in my opinion, um, are. Uh, AJ Styles is like right there, and and honestly, Roman Reigns is is, is right there too. Um, I don't know, man. On the flip side, uh, NXT is great. I'm not going to spend a ton of time disparaging WWE because I still think it's a good product. Uh, don't get me wrong, but there's just something missing, um, and hopefully they figure it out. Um, NXT on the flip side, like I said, is is still still killing it. Um, that's just a great like. It's basically just a WWE produced indie show, and it's amazing. It's really cool. They're doing the breakout tournament. Um, got Trevor Lee in there, and ACH, and DJZ, and uh, Jonah Rock. So, you know, I'm excited. The first round already happened, and um, Joaquin Wild is DJZ's name. I'm sure to lose its silliness eventually. Versus uh, Angel Garza. Uh, it was a cool match. It was fine. Um, you know, I, I just I'm, I'm excited for that tournament as a whole. I'm excited to see Trevor Lee on that stage, or Cameron Grimes, as he's now known. Um, I think it's going to be really good. Uh, And I think that's pretty much my thoughts for WWE. I feel like I ranted for a while, uh, and I appreciate having this platform to do that. Um, I'm going to transition over to AEW now, and and let's, let's talk about Fighter Fest. Things first, when we... Talk about Fighter Fest. Uh, the the big the big news story coming out of there is is Cody's chair shot and man, there's a lot of back and forth on 
social media, about unprotected share shots. And yeah, I mean, I agree. They're certainly not good. I think there, there's really no way to safely perform them. So I understand, uh, you know, people being a little put off by that. And of course, you know, Cody ended up getting injured, uh, a lot of blood and it just, you know, even when you compare that to the, like the Moxley Janela, um, hardcore or whatever they called it, the, uh, they had like a hardcore, oh, just a non-sanctioned match, I guess. That was like, that chair shot was probably the worst thing in the night, to be honest. Um, look nasty. Pretty cool to see uh, Sean Spears getting in there with Cody, though. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with it either. But, you know, it happened. <clears throat> if you go, there, there's a ton of videos of it. It Like, the, the lip of the chair caught the back of Cody's head and split him open. It was pretty bad. But aside from that, we can kind of run, run through some stuff. So... You know, I'm going to be honest, if, if if I turn on the buy-in, which is the AEW's pre-show, and I didn't see the, the first match and just saw Ali and Leva Bates and Michael Nakazawa and the guy that runs the CEO um, convention, I would probably, and I had never seen AEW before, I don't know if that would uh, convince me to watch the rest of the show, to be honest. It was, it was really strange and I get, it wasn't like a pay-per-view and it was free. So there's nothing to complain about, but it was just really, really weird. Um, aside from that though, the match on the buy-in that I was happy to see was, uh, Chuck Taylor and Tremperetta versus SoCal Uncensored <clears throat> and Private Party. Man, Private Party looked great. I had, I had never seen them before, um, before tonight. And so that was, that was super cool. Um, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. They showed up really, really well. Mark Quinn is insanely athletic. He had a crazy shooting star press with a ton of hang time. Uh, that's pretty the highlight of that, uh, obviously. Um, overall, just a really good match. They went like 20 minutes almost, um, and it, w- it was a really, really good match. And the best friends came out on top, and then we get some Super Smash Brothers action, I guess. They're called the Dark Order now. And so that kind of Set things up for either Fight for the Fallen or All Out. Just just depends. Um, and then main card, uh, Shima and Chris Daniels was great, as always. And they've, they've had tons of matches. And uh, we had uh, Shima go over with the Meteora. That was, honestly, it was a really good match. I don't think it kept my attention as much as I, you know, I would have liked to it to have because I do appreciate both of those guys, but there's something about Shima and, and maybe it's just me. Like I know he's good and I appreciate him, but whenever he's in a match, it's just, I'm just like not into it. And you know, personal preference of course is there. Um, Rio, I don't know how to say her name. Rio, uh, Yuka Sakazaki and Nyla Rose three way women's match. I'm going to be honest. I, I barely watched this. Um, not because it was bad, but I just, Happened to be distracted at the time, and Nyla Rose was, was impressive. She's a big girl, so <clears throat> that was cool. Um, and then we had a four-way match. So we had uh, uh, MJF, Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc, and Adam Page, and they're really, really priming Adam Page to be, you know, the guy for the company, um, which which is cool. Adam Page is really, really good, um, really entertaining. 
and we had Kip Sabian at ringside, and uh, Kip Sabian was set to to face the winner of that match at Fight for the Fallen. Um, super cool match. Uh, Luchasaurus made an appearance with Jungle Boy. MJF looked fantastic as always. Super, you know, great character. And then, a- as we all would imagine, Adam Page goes over with the Dead Eye, and uh, that sets up Adam Page versus Kip Sabian in two weeks uh, at Fight for the Fallen. So. Uh, pretty pretty cool match, and then we had Cody versus Darby Allen, and it was a, a time limit draw. A, a time limit draw, and man, this match was. I, Darby Allen is amazing. Um, I, I I've seen clips of him, but I've never really watched like a full match or really looked into him. Man, he's a really really unique character. Apparently, he was a professional skateboarder previously from Seattle, and uh, he I'm, God he fucks himself up dude no regard for his well-being super good match cody rhodes put him in a body bag and hit a a disaster kick and then did a crossroads and time limit went out and then we had the sean spears chair shot insanity uh that occurred after that uh that was a solid match and then we had the elite which was kenny omega uh and the young bucks and they they dressed as street fighter characters ken and ryu and then uh kenny omega was akuma so that was a cool nod to the convention versus uh lucha brothers pentagon jr ray phoenix and laredo kid crazy match as you would expect a ton of spots a whole lot of fun um really 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 enjoyed that one elite picked up the win there with that one winged angel and then the main event was john moxley and joey janela two of the the more popular guys in indie wrestling right now, and I don't know if I guess I still consider AEW indie wrestling, but you know maybe it's not now that they have a TNT deal. Man, this match was really really good actually for for a hardcore match. I you know I'm not a death match guy, and I've talked about that before. I just think it's it's ridiculous. But Joey Janela is actually a good wrestler, and John Moxley is actually a good wrestler, and that really showed. They put together a good match. Joey Janela hit a crazy elbow drop off the ladder to the outside which is a highlight <clears throat> and then we had john moxley with the death rider on the on the tax for the win and then omega came out and you know uh they they continued that feud and that, that kind of closed things out and overall man I just for free this was such a good show like there's nothing there's people like complaining about about whatever and, you know, I agree that the buy-in show was kind of lame except for one match, and there were some slow spots, but how do you have anything to complain about? The fact that AEW put together this card and they're giving it away, especially considering the numbers that they did and, and the success of, of Double or Nothing, that's pretty impressive, man. Really a smart business move because I feel like that gets a lot of eyes on things, and, you know, I feel like a lot of people are complaining and, and saying that AEW is taking a weird, a weird position and just like doing weird stuff. But you have to remember, this isn't like a, like a corporate businessman putting things together. These are literal professional wrestlers, like inmates running the asylum, just with their friends and just doing what they want. And I feel like that's part of what makes it, makes it like successful. They can get away with pretty much anything. I mean, they literally have a dinosaur with a, a kid from, you know, the son of a famous actor dressed like Tarzan on his shoulders and it works because you know you can do whatever you want I think overall thoughts going out of that show want to see more Moxley I can't wait for the Omega Moxley match and and I really want to see more Darby Allen really excited to see 
what they do with him. There was a recent uh, indie show, and it was Moxley versus Darby Allen, and they were doing some cool stuff where uh, Darby w- was like handcuffed, and Moxley was throwing him around, and pretty cool, man. Um, overall, like AEW is just doing a lot of really good stuff. I-, I would suspect that Fight for the Fallen, which I believe is free uh, in a few weeks, is going to be awesome also, and then All Out, definitely going to be fantastic. They will go All Out <laughs> uh, for that, and... Uh, you know, pretty excited to see how WWE responds or if they respond because they, you know, they may not. And, you know, I I had actually watched a few clips from Impact also, and they're doing some good stuff too, man. There's just a lot of good wrestling just in general. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of weird like Twitter feuds. There's a Seth Rollins, Will Ospreay thing going on now, which is pretty weird. Like, I don't they're just talking shit to each other, and I guess that gets a lot of attention on both guys. And if you didn't know who Will Ospreay was and you see him talking shit to Seth Rollins, you're either going to say, who's this idiot, or you're going to check him out and be like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. It, whatever the case is, it's that like any publi- uh, publicity is good publicity. And um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's fine. I, it's weird to me. I feel like social media is always a weird thing because it's hard to tell who's being serious, who's not being serious. Like Matt Riddle, like roasting on the old WCW guys. Like it's funny, but it's weird because he's employed by WWE. I had read that, you know, he was asked to do that. I don't know. Either way, I, you know, I think it's, it's entertaining, I guess. I'm talking about it, so it must be at least mildly entertaining. I remember there was a time when I, you know, I, I, I stay off of social media for the most part. I go and look at memes and just entertain myself and get into the void of scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. But I remember there was a time I, I sort of, for whatever reason, I was like 19 when I was wrestling and I shit talked another wrestler on, on Facebook. And, uh, I don't know what the point was. I think just, I was like 20, just stupid. And, um, it, I I can't remember what happened, but he he had like a group of friends and they've been wrestling for a while. And I feel like I traveled back to California to see my family and uh, Mikey obviously stayed in, in Nashville and he wrestled um, a match and he was in like a battle royal while I was out of town. And I remember like I, I talked shit and like Mikey talked shit on Facebook and it was just like a couple of backhanded comments and it was like not meant really to do anything. It was just kind of a weird thing I don't know why we never really talked about it and this was like weeks later and one of his friends literally (laughs) in the battle royal said this is for so-and-so and and like forearmed him in the back like super hard (laughs) and like stomped him really hard a few times and was like trying to like shoot on him and like protect his friend uh and I remember I feel like Mikey probably fucking was like, okay, like, whatever, man. Um, I don't really remember what happened, but I do remember coming back into town and Mikey telling me that. I remember, like, Facebooking him, being like, hey, man, like, what the fuck are you doing? And we, like, hashed it out over Facebook. And it's just social media can be so ridiculous, especially in, in, in wrestling, because professional wrestlers, especially on the indie level, for the most part, are, like, really just you get some interesting characters and most of the time they're very like they're like men children if that makes sense just like grown men that have the mindset of a 13 year old i feel like that's just pro wrestling you're kind of reliving your your youth a lot of times 
So social media can be a very dangerous thing. It can also be a good tool uh, for marketing purposes. However, um, in those instances when 20-year-old kids are talking shit and a grown man tries to like injure them in the ring <laughs> because of it, it can also be a problem. And I know that's happened before. Um, so anyway, just reminded me of that that quick little uh, little story. I We have endless stories like that of... of you know, whether or not they're trying to shoot on us or give us receipts or potato us or whatever the, the dumb shit thing is that, that people do sometimes. Um, pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, and I think for this week, that's probably going to do it. I don't, I don't want to ramble on forever. And like I said, my, my brain is super duper scrambled. Um, going to be doing some traveling soon. So maybe like a traveling episode and, you know, I appreciate you listening, even though I am scatterbrained and and a little off. Um, I do still, you know, I still wanted to do it, and I still feel like it, it turned out fine, all things considered. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you listening. I still don't have, like, an exit catchphrase. I want I definitely need to do something with space. If somebody tweets me, at SpandexPod on Twitter, and gives me a good closing thing, I'll give you a shout-out and send you... Send you a sticker or something, and uh, I'll I'll say this whatever the catchphrase is on uh, on here. So, um, without further ado, this is gonna be the end of the podcast. Thanks for uh, hopping on the rocket and flying to the spandex planet. Fuck, man, it's really bad. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. This has been me.